And I'd like us to consider not only Saul's experience, but also then turn our attention to Ananias and how Ananias responded and was on the move. Chapter 9 of Acts, beginning in verse 1. Man who questioned, who is Saul, was on a rampage, breathing threats and murder against the followers of honored chief, creator sets free, who is Jesus. Right off the bat here, this text omits the Greek word eti, which is used and doesn't it just doesn't get translated here in this version but other versions will say um, meanwhile right or yet or still indicating that he's continuing saul is continuing this rampage okay if you will he's vehemently and violently opposed to what might be considered the jesus movement or what some call the way which this translation actually uses and so he went to the chief holy man and asked for written documents to give to the tribal gathering house in the village of Silent, Silent Weaver in Damascus. This would permit him to take any followers of the way, men or women, bind them in chains and take them to the village of peace, known as Jerusalem. We might ask ourselves, how, how did these Christians arrive at Damascus? What are they doing there? There are a few possibilities. They could be refugees, if you will, um, from Jerusalem. There could be some unreported mission happening in that area that we don't read about here in Scripture. It's possible that there are pilgrims who are returning also from Pentecost celebration. But Saul has continued his rampage, whatever the case is. And now he's acquiring the appropriate documents, what might be seen as systemic um, and legally ways of oppressing the believers, right? He's, he's acquiring these documents to basically extradite these Christians back to Jerusalem for trial. Verse 3, so on his way to Silent Weaver, which is Damascus, just as he came near the village without warning, a light from the spirit world above shone down all around him. He fell to the ground and then heard a voice speaking. Man who questions, man who questions, the voice called out his name twice. Why are you pursuing and mistreating me? So with this light, the spirit, from the spirit world, God intervenes. I find it interesting that the first thing that is said is in the form of a question. Why are you pursuing and mistreating me? Man who questions trembled with fear at the sound of the voice that was coming from the blinding light. Honored one, he asked, who are you? I am creator sets free, Jesus, the voice answered. The one you are pursuing and mistreating. Again here it is repeated that I am creator sets free. The one you are pursuing and mistreating, which then cues the readers into this like emphatic reminder of what we find in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, which says, Whoever rejects me rejects whoever rejects you rejects me. There is 
a mistreating going on here. Verse 6. Now stand to your feet and go into the village. There you will be told what you must do. Stand, go, be on the move. Following Jesus necessitates movement. There's a word here in the Greek that is, um, it's day, and it, it means what is necessary. So it is necessary that you move, and when you arrive there, I will tell you what you must do, what is necessary for you to do in that place. The men who were traveling with him stood silent, saying nothing, for they heard the voice but saw no one. This is the first time that the companions that are traveling with Saul are, are mentioned here in this story. And what's interesting is that they appear to be unmoved, if you will, by this voice. They saw no one. Verse 8. Man who questioned stood to his feet and opened his eyes but could not see. The ones who were with him took him by the hand and guided him into the village of Silent Weaver. He stayed there without eating or drinking, and after three days he still could not see this is the point in which Saul's activity is disrupted. He is brought to an abrupt halt on the path that he had chosen. And so he is also then guided to Damascus by his companions. And he's unable to see. He doesn't drink. He doesn't eat. We might infer then later by what is shared in the text that he loses his strength over this course of time. Verse 10, now in the village there was a man named Creator Shows Kindness, who is Ananias, a follower of Creator Sets Free. He was given a sacred vision from the Great Spirit. Creator Shows Kindness, the voice called out to him in the vision, I am here, honored why he answered back. So this is the point in the narrative where our attention turns to Ananias, who is also known as Creator Shows Kindness. Get up and go to the house of Speakswell, uh, who is Judas, on the village pathway called Straight. There you must ask for a man from Tree Village, Tarsus, named Man Who Questions. He is praying right now. In a vision, he has seen a man with your name come to him and lay his hands on him so that he might see again. Here in verse 11 at the end, our translations omit the Greek word udugar, which, which means like behold. In other words, like pay a lot of attention here and take note of what's happening. And what's happening is that Saul is praying right now while I'm sharing this vision with you, and he is simultaneously seeing this vision that you are coming, right? That you will speak words over him, and he will be released. Release then will result in a change, of course, for Saul. Verse 13, honored one, creator, 
shows kindness, answered back to him, I have heard of this man and how much harm he has done to your holy people in village of peace in Jerusalem. The head holy men gave, have given him the authority to put in prison all who call upon your name. Ananias doesn't want to accept this commissioning, if you will. He doesn't want to be moved to action. And this is understandable, right? He even refers to Saul as this man. And he sees him as an enemy. Verse 15. Go to him, creator says free. Answer him. For I have chosen this man to represent me to the outside nations to their rulers, to the tribes of wrestles with Creator. I will show him how much he must suffer in order to represent who I am. Again, go. Right? The Lord makes clear that Saul is not an enemy, but the one who will represent God's self and is chosen for a particular role. Saul will turn from persecuting those who have invoked the name, if you will, to the one who himself then bears the name. And that will bring upon him suffering because of what he must do. Again, this Greek word day, what is necessitated by following Jesus. We also see this list of the outside nations, their rulers, and the tribes of wrestles with Creator. And this is indicating that Saul will engage in ministry not only among the Jews, but among the Gentiles as well. Verse 17. The creator shows kindness, followed the guidance given to him in the vision, and went to the house. And there he placed his hands on man who questioned. Man who questions, my brother, he said to him, creator sets free, our honored chief, the one who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to you so you may see again and be filled with his Holy Spirit. So Ananias does get up. He is moved. He follows the guidance given to him in this vision. But notice what happens here when Saul, or when he goes to Saul's house. He no longer refers to Saul as this man, but as brother. A part of him he does not get. He places his hands on Saul what might be seen as an act of prayer or anointing, and releases Saul. Verse 18. Right then, something like fish scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. Then he stood up and went to participate in the purification ceremony. After that, he ate some food and his strength returned. He stayed in the village of Silent Weaver in Damascus for a few days with some followers of Creator Sets Free. Right away, he went to the local gathering houses and began to tell them that Creator sets free is the son of the great spirit. At this point in the narrative, Ananias has fallen out of view. And with the regaining of sight, which might be considered not only a physical, but a spiritual sight, if you will, and then receiving the, the spirit through baptism, which the First Nations version called a purification ceremony. And then after eating, Saul actually becomes active again. He's able to be on the move. He's restored. He's 
released, if you will, to proclaim the way. Saul is maybe what we have heard before, converted, right? Commentator Ben Witherington puts it this way. That conversion involves the reorientation of the soul of an individual, a deliberate turning from indifference or an earlier form of piety to another. A turning which implies a consciousness that a great change is involved, that the old way was wrong and that a new way is right. This can kind of make us squirm a little bit, I think, in our beings when we hear these kinds of words, but I think it's helpful to frame them as this meant that, that Saul uh, repented, right? He has a change of mind, and he changes course. The ministry of Jesus turning things upside down that we have seen over and over again in the life of Jesus on Creator's Good Road continues now post-resurrection. And it is displayed once more with the turning upside down of Saul's life and his course of action. We often focus on Saul in this particular story. And while he was on the move and he's going from one place to the next, and then he does have a change of course, I can't help but consider how we might identify with Ananias, who is Saul's creator, shows kindness. As we consider being on the moves ourselves, maybe not always holed up behind closed doors, just waiting for some sort of prompting, not that the spirit can't or doesn't move in that way. I think the spirit's prompting often comes while we are along the road, while we are moving and open, readily available to those around us, so that we might move and act and care as the spirit leads and as needs among our neighbors arise. This morning, with our remaining time, as I mentioned, we're going to engage in some dialogue. You've got a few questions there in your bulletin, um, and these are more prompts than anything for you to consider in smaller groups. And as I mentioned, if you prefer not to converse and would like just some time to reflect on your own, that is totally appropriate as well. I want to make note that this conversation is really to encourage us. Um, not to shame anyone or shame yourselves. Remember last week we, we talked about shame a little bit as Bill shared with us. We are invited to extend peace, not only to one another, but to ourselves. And to release, be released for shame. I am going to encourage us to take a few moments to converse about these questions. I'm not sure how long I'm just going to kind of feel my way through it, however the spirit leads this morning. What I want you to keep in mind is that after you converse in small groups, I'm going to ask that we turn back to the larger group and just give you a moment to reflect back as you're comfortable with uh, sharing anything that kind of stood out to you in your time of small group uh, as a way to reflect to the larger group and then close. The questions there in your bulletin are, what strikes you as important in this story as you consider Ananias' role 
in the larger narrative and work of God among the people? When have you found yourself resistant to responding to the Spirit's prompting to move or act and extend care, or maybe to pray for or with someone? And the third question is, what is Jesus teaching you about being on the move? Where or in what ways are you being challenged in daily life? Me to stop the recording, or do you want me to let it run? Okay. I'll just make a note before we just. Okay. That there's a period of time that there's nothing there. Okay, um, there or we can just end it. They're recording the room right now, so you'll hear it. But do you want me to end it? Totally end it. Yeah. And then not restart it. Okay. Do you want me to do that? Yeah. Okay.